You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural black Angus beef and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag. It is... Uh, divisional weekend, I guess. I mean, we don't really care about the divisional playoffs, round, I think, is uh, what they say, right? Sure. Why not? Uh, but it doesn't <laughs> matter. It is Ben Johnson week for for all I care uh, here at Pride of Detroit. Uh, uh, we are live on twitch.tv. Uh, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, where we are answering your uh, lines questions all off season long live here. Uh, obviously, you can find us also on any podcast platform you want, just search Pride of Detroit. My name, by the way, is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. With me, as always, to answer some of your questions is the, uh, I almost said the executive producer. I kind of like that. Do Whoa. you want to be the executive right. producer? Maybe, maybe. I think <laughs> yeah. uh, that would be, I don't think you, you'd like that too much, being the producer. Um, I think it might. Shift the power dynamics, who knows? Yeah, I don't think you want that. Eh, I don't care. Uh you can find him at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. You can call him whatever you want. You can call him the machine. You can call him the producer or whatever. I don't care. It's Eric Schlitt. How you doing, buddy? Well, you know, uh, after the news that broke last night, I think everybody in Detroit has to be really happy. Yeah, no question about it. Um, we were we were live on our channel just kind of celebrating a little bit. But why don't let's let's jump off right there because that is the big news of the week and probably the, the biggest news we're gonna get for a couple weeks now. So let's let's talk about it a little bit more and and well, you know, we have a couple questions from our, our, our Twitter audience <laughs> on it. Uh, starts with the truth. God asks, are you surprised that Ben is staying? No, I mean a little, but no. <laughs> okay. um, and here and here's why. Um, there's I, I know there's a giant advantage to getting a, a head coaching job in the NFL financial benefits. Um, opportunity to create your own product, right? And yeah. so there's a lot of really, really plus things. But when you look at the coaches that have long-term stability, the coaches who have make big money on the second contracts, those are all coaches that are in good fits 
with their GM, good fits with their organization. And if the good and if the right fit isn't there, taking an opportunity could be, you know, detrimental, not beneficial. Oh, right. 100%. You know what it's I mean? A, taking a head coaching job is a huge, huge risk. Right. Because if you don't get or if you get it and then you fizzle, it's going to be a while till you get another shot again. If you ever get a shot again. Right. Right. A lot of people. And don't. so exactly. And so. You know, Nick Sirianni kind of took this approach a couple of years ago, waited for the right job in Cleveland, tried to bring him in. He, he, uh, you know, he didn't even interview. He didn't even want to interview with them because he didn't like the fit. Yeah. And then, you know, the Eagles position comes along and he's like, okay, I like this fit better. I like this opportunity. And, you know, he's starting to see the benefits of it a year into his, into his uh, tenure there. And so if Johnson didn't feel comfortable with the structure of the organization, with the the ownership, whatever for whatever reason, if he didn't feel yeah. comfortable, absolutely turn it down because he is hot enough right now that he's probably going to get another opportunity. I know if the Lions take a step back, that's going to hurt his his status. Okay, I mean that's a risk, but what he's doing is he's betting on himself. He's betting on the organization, and he's saying. I think that what we're doing is working and it's going to continue to work. And if I am going to leave, I'm going to leave for something that's going to be better for me long-term. I mean, like from a financial standpoint, going from a million dollars to like $5 million is significant, right? I mean, it is. I'd say it's about five times better. uh, Roughly. And then, um, but for like the coaches that have like stability, they're making eight. 12, yeah. 15, right? right? And that's what you want. You want to be in the you want to be the coach that gets the second contract, right? Because when you get past that first initial wave and you or you know, you go to the playoffs, you have success, whatever it is, that that's where you that's the tenure, right? Yeah. That's where you want to be. So if he didn't like the spots, not surprised. Look, when he said he was interviewing with the Texans. That, no one was afraid. Avoid, no, no one was my afraid goodness. <laughs> away, go away from that, like as fast as you possibly can. Carolina, being from Carolina, um, they That's, have a nice defense. Yeah. That one, that one, I thought might have been a, a closer opportunity. But if you don't have the right opportunity, why, why, uh, why not return to the place where you're having a lot of success and try and in- increase your opportunity next year? Yeah, no question, and and. Unsurprisingly, I was I was a little bit more worried than you, and, and therefore a little bit more surprised by this because I I tend to jump to worst worst case scenarios <laughs> quicker than you do. Uh, but but there's a lot of reasons, to, and and I brought it up on the podcast last night. Like Byron Leftwich, a guy who was a head coaching candidate last year and is now fired, looking for a job. Things can change in an instant, and you're tying you're kind of tying your horse to Jared Goff, and and Goff has been an inconsistent yeah. player over the past three years, and so that it, it's it's a risk. But, sure. but either way is right. I think you did a good job outlining that taking a job right away is also risky. I just thought that Panthers job was it. Like I, I thought, I thought, and and I still think that the Panthers were were enamored with him. I, I think that I think mm-hmm. he was their guy, and so there is the hometown connection. There, there is. I mean, they're a decent organization with with a good foundation that that just seems to need to figure it out offensively. So it seemed like a pretty good fit to me. And mm-hmm. obviously you're still kind of missing a key part with the quarterback, but sure. 
I don't know. It, it 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 was surprising to me, but not not completely surprising because I think we were on the show a couple of weeks ago saying like the one part of the equation we don't know is what's going on in Ben Johnson's mind. Is he the type that really wants to be a head coach? And I mean, either way, you're betting on yourself, right? You're betting on yourself with the Panthers or you're betting on yourself yeah. coming back with the Lions. So if he's confident enough in his abilities, he can take maybe a, a job that doesn't look as good. Um, so mm. I don't know. It was it was it was a pleasant surprise for me. Um and and I guess to me that the most surprising part is that he did it without even meeting with the Panthers. Like I'm sure they had a phone call, but the fact that he mm-hmm. didn't even go and visit them, which he I mean he scheduled it. Like what what changed his mind before he decided to jump ship there? Uh, I I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to that question, but uh, that's that's maybe the most surprising part for me. I I think, and again purely speculative. Yeah, I would think the Lions organization probably went. Hey Ben, we'll give you a raise if you want to stick around. I mean, I'm yeah, guessing maybe, but I, again, it's not going to be what he would have made as a head coach. Right. But it might have been enough to entice him to stick around a little bit longer and find the right opportunity. You know, like it's it's kind of like a, when a GM takes a quarterback, right? That's the GM is putting all of his eggs into that basket. When right. you take a head coaching job, you're putting all of your eggs into that basket. Because like as a coordinator, you can have a down year and then you can come back. Sure. The you know, the following like you can you can do that. Yep. Like Leftwich will find a job. Left even if it's as, as a quarterbacks coach, and then a year from now he'll be all oh, see, and then a year from you know, what I mean two years, three years, he could be back in head coaching circle again. Easy. Yeah. But once you're a head coach and you fail man it's it's such a different side of the mountain that you have to climb it's sure. it's instead of that instead of just taking that stumble down that slight incline you're almost going up that vertical slope and that's really hard to do and so i i i really think waiting for the right opportunity is what was probably the end result here um, speaking of head coaches, uh, B- BK Shakey on Twitter asks, uh, does the return of Ben Johnson adjust Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell's timeline? For example, do you think they take bigger swings in free agency in the draft, knowing that Ben Johnson is now back? Uh, slightly, right? Because you think that you're not having to retool your offensive uh, design, meaning you, you might not have to go as deep into adding players to the offensive side of the ball. Whereas if you would have changed schemes, changed coordinators, you might've needed a certain guy or two that would have fit a different style. Um, so it keeps them, I'd say it more keeps them on track right. rather than having them rather than like accelerating the timeline. Right. Cause yeah. it's possible to take a step back, but I, I think it's more, they've more maintained the course. Right. I, I, I do. I have seen this narrative out there that like, okay, well now, now this is like this is their one year Super Bowl window because Ben Johnson is <laughs> going to be gone next year. So you got to go all in now and, and and do all that and stuff. And that's just not the personality of of the guys running this team. It's not it's not the right. goal of this. Like they are trying to build long term. They they want to build a franchise, build an organization, build a coaching staff that weathers this sort of stuff. And it's like okay, it's not the end of the world if Ben Johnson goes. We got this guy coming right back up. So yeah, if right. if anything changes, I think maybe they they expedite the process of 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 building that succession plan. I don't, I don't think this team is ever really going to do something like the Rams did. And I know Brad Holden came from the Rams. Like, I don't, I don't think that's his, in his DNA to be like, all right, we're one piece away. Let's go get him. Not, not that he won't be mm-hmm. aggressive at times. He'll, he'll be selectively aggressive whenever he feels like it, but I don't think this team is ever going to operate under the assumption that there is a window that they have to compete in. 
they they want a wide they they're they're cranking that open that window open and, and letting the draft come in for as long as possible because they're, they want long-term success and you don't do that by, by getting really aggressive one year and, and trading away a few future assets. Like that's, that's what this team's DNA is right now. It, it's building for the long-term and staying for the long-term. And that doesn't mean viewing it as when Ben, ben Johnson is here, we better win a Super Bowl, Otherwise we're screwed. The, uh, the Ram situation, I know a lot of people will will want to turn to as a reference, yeah. right? Um, but while McVeigh was only with the the team for um, you know for what five or six years, right before before like they were able to be aggressive and kind of go for it, um, Les Need was with the team for nine or ten, right? Yeah. Like ten, like, like so he had been building the team for a decade. Yeah. The Lions are in year two. Right. Like, like <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the thing that I think we need to like all that, you know, as a collective fan base, we need yeah. to also like take a breath. Like six months ago, it was, well, this team is another, they're going to get another, you know, couple of draft picks. And then after 2023, they're going to have a lot of good things in place. Hopefully in 2024, they're going to be competitive. And, and now all of a sudden it's like, they need to be competitive now. And while they might be, that's great. I yeah. still like that trajectory is still pointing towards, you know, you're competitive in 2023, but you're really like 2024, you should be stable. Right. And I right. think that's really what they're looking for. So Eric's telling everybody, don't, don't purchase your, your betting slips for Super Bowl 2023 yet. Wait for 2024. Yeah. yeah I'll, look, can they, you're can the wet they, blanket can they, now. Can they no? Can they get to the playoffs? I think. Look, I think they win the North, which means I think they host a a game next year, right? Well, they host a playoff game, win a playoff game. Can does that mean Super Bowl? I don't know. I, I think that's probably far <laughs> down the line, right? Let's sure. see what they do before we start making these grandiose gestures in here. But yeah. like, um, I, I look. It's going to be hard to move me off the fact that I think they win the North. Um, yeah. what they've done, what they established. And that means a home playoff game. And so I'm comfortable here in mid January saying <laughs> you can, you can, you can start planning your trip to Ford field uh, uh, in January next year, if you want to, because there they're probably going to host that game. <laughs> I love it. So I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that too. First, uh, first lines playoff game in that building. That'd be nice. Um, all right, let's stick with the the coaching tree stuff. Um, Latino Heat at Uquate uh, on Twitter asked, Dan Campbell expressed some desire to help Deuce become a, Deuce Staley become a head coach. However, to my knowledge, Deuce hasn't really gained any interest or an opportunity for a head coaching position. What can Deuce possibly do to begin gaining head coaching consideration or are the Lions trying to keep him for now? And uh, I think we've addressed this before and, and off air. I do think it's a really interesting question, though, because... Um, yeah, like that that was the whole selling of of bringing Deuce Staley to Detroit is like you're getting a promotion just from a, a running game a running backs coach, your your assistant head coach. You're getting all this um you know, all all these duties that that a head coach would do. Um you you're getting experience there. But it's kind of tricky because what like how how can you manifest that into a head coaching job when no one really sees what you're doing with the coordinator? If your offense is playing good, you get it the credit. If your defensive coordinator, defensive uh, improvement looks good on your resume. But what what looks good on an assistant head coach's resume? Well, I don't know. It's the same. It's the same thing that drew Detroit to Dan Campbell because Dan sure. Campbell was an assistant head coach for five years. True, and I think that's the path that Deuce, that Deuce is on. Right, I think Deuce is earning 
experience. He's learning how to be a head coach. And when an organization comes around that's looking for a culture changer, yeah. Deuce is going to be on that list. Right. And here, and again, it's going to be the right fit. You, it's not, he's not going to be, um, you know, for the, the owner that's looking for the hot young coordinator, like he's not going to be that guy, Yeah. but for an organization that's like, look, we have to reset. We need the right guy, not just the, the next hot name. Yeah. That's where Deuce is going to come into the mix. Look, they, at the senior bowl, he was their head coach when they said, "Look, we have to put head coaches in place. Deuces, deuces, our choice." And it, and again, it seems a little bit. It seemed a, from an outside perspective, it may have seemed a little bit, you know, flipped that you know you you didn't have a coordinator as your head coach. But again, it makes total sense from how the lines are structured. Yeah. And you know, I think a lot of people think Deuce doesn't have as much power in, within the organization as the coordinators, I would argue he has more because he's in all those head coach meetings. He's in the decision-making he's, he's, he's not just coaching his, his running backs. That's a, that's a big part of what he does, Sure, but he's learning all of these other nuances that go on behind the scenes that the coordinators don't get as frequently like Deuce yeah. is constantly in those things. And again, that's going to benefit him down the road when, you know, the right team comes along. It's a good point. And I think you're, you're spot on the, I, I guess the issue that I have is how does that become, how do you like gain the waves? How do you gain the attention? And I, I mean, I think the easiest answer is like this team starts winning divisions and playoff games and, and titles and championships. And, and then you start have people plucking through your organization. But to me, like if you're looking for a culture changer right now, Deuce's Deuce's name isn't on your list because it just it hasn't happened yet. And like I, I, you get kind of the familiar names cropping up when you want when you want a, a culture change. like Jim Caldwell, right? Jim Caldwell keeps getting interviews every now sure. and then. And and that's why it's not that he's a brilliant offensive mind. It's not that, you know, and it, 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 it's he's a culture changer. And and so I don't know if you need like this old generation of coaches to just kind of like, OK, sorry, Jim, your, your time has passed. Let's find the new culture changer. Um, mm. but, but also like, I, I think there is something missing from deuces. Like I, he doesn't quite have the infectious personality as some of the other guys in this coaching staff. He do, he doesn't, he doesn't have the same thing that Dan has. He doesn't have the same thing that Kelvin Shepard has that Aaron Glenn has. There, there's something missing. And maybe that's something that he develops. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, it's not to say he doesn't have a personality. It's not to say he he can't lead or, or or be a culture lead. I mean, we saw him on, on hard knocks. We, we know, we know he can be right. fun and entertaining and right. players players react to that but there is something that isn't and maybe it's just maybe it's just him in front of the podium maybe just like mm -hmm. it, it seems like a little bit of a chore for him he's not quite as affable and funny and 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 things as he is behind the scenes and so without that kind of like public facing persona i think it's gonna i think it's gonna be an uphill climb for him you know what's gonna help is when more players get into coaching uh yeah. that's gonna be a big help for him and as more players get into coaching if the and and if the Lions succeed, because yeah. if the Lions show that this former player now turned coach strategy works, more teams are going to start adapting that. And again, great opportunity for Deuce to step in. So um, it's going to take time. It could take a few more years before Deuce starts getting really serious consideration. But I, you know, I, I think he's a smart enough guy, and he's been around the game for a long time. Uh, it's it's a matter of time with him, but yeah, it's it's his name isn't gonna isn't gonna rise to the surface. I think just yet, and and I think that's when we start talking like succession plans and stuff, which you kind of yeah. we were touching on earlier. 
the guys, the coaches that are in the right spots to be like successors, I don't think they're ready yet either. Like this right. is a this is a spot where too. it's it's going to take a couple more years for them to build this experience because there's a couple of really really smart minds yeah. on offense and defense coaching staffs, and as they gain, it's going to help. As as the team is successful, that's going to help too. And so, it's just it's it's just going to take time. We're not going to get that. You don't you don't get immediate satisfaction when you build this way, right? But hopefully this is what creates stability. Yeah. And it's worth noting, Dan, Dan was assistant head coach for what, five years in, in New Orleans before. Yeah. yeah. And he got, he got interviews here and there, but um, never real serious consideration really until the lines came along. So uh, yeah, everything, everything is, is going to take a little bit of time, going to take a little bit of patience. And I know patience is always a tough sell on this fan base and and maybe it's a tough sell on someone like Deuce, but um, we'll, we'll see. Um, things certainly seem to be headed in the right direction, but let's take a break here. When we kind of come back, we're going to move away from coaching talk, uh, talk a little bit about a, uh, a mock draft that went a little viral this week. Uh, thanks to our, our, our buddy Dane Brugler and, and talk about some, uh, some other things revolving around the draft and the Lions offseason. When we come back here on the midweek mailbag. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back here on the midweek mailbag. Myself, Jeremy Reisman, and Eric Schlitt answering your Lions questions as we head towards the offseason, deeper into the offseason, I should say. And of course, one of the bigger parts of the offseason, much to my dismay, is mock drafts. And Dane Brugler <laughs> from The Athletic set the Lions fandom on fire this week with his two-round mock. Uh, but the most important part, or the most uh, contentious part, was trading up from 18 to 16 burning i think the the top of the two lines second round picks in the process and grabbing anthony richardson also trading with the packers uh which is also uh funny and interesting and all that sort of <laughs> stuff um so we got a lot of questions about this trade and anthony richardson in general let's start with matt boucher who asked i keep seeing anthony richardson mock to the lines uh at 18 even even by people that watch the Lions golf this year given golf's performance and our needs on d i'm having a hard time understanding why we go quarterback in the first do you think first of all Basic question, do you think the Lions will go quarterback at 18? I think the only quarterback they would consider would be Anthony Richardson because yeah. of the arc of yeah. this of him as a player, right? Um, he needs time to develop, and they are in a situation where they have that uh, time available with Goff. Uh, they seem to have made a decision publicly on supporting Goff at the yep. same time. Um 
they haven't made any financial commitments to him. And so that's going to leave the door open. But again, as we talked about a couple uh, last week or the week before, they're probably not going to make any financial commitments on golf because it's not beneficial to them until next year. Right. So this is a situation where the Lions are going to need quarterback depth uh, beyond Jared Goff because he's going to be here. Uh, but how much depth, uh, what level of depth, that's all still very up in the air. And and, and until golf is that long-term commitment, I think people are always going to be interested in, in – are always going to see the Lions as a quarterback destination. So would they be would they consider a quarterback at 18? It's a possibility. Um, I'm not ruling it out. And if it, and, and really Richardson's the only one that makes makes sense to me. I'm going to go ahead and rule it out. Okay. Because in a I vacuum, mean, I'm not – in a vacuum, yes, this is a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Like this is a, a, an understandable strategy. You should always be looking for a quarterback, especially if you're in position to get a quarterback. And if one of those guys is there at 18 or at six, I get it. You, mm-hmm. But given everything we know about this organization and the way that that Brad Holmes acted when when someone dared ask whether a quarterback was on the table, I don't like. I I think I think this team thinks they have their quarterback of the future, and and and. Drafting a guy like Anthony Richardson would kind of be spitting in Jared Goff's face a little bit. And and we don't know how Jared Goff would react. I know a lot of people speculate that he wouldn't be okay with it. And, he, and you know, he, he's too emotionally sensitive. I, I don't, I don't make assumptions about people like that. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, but to me, this franchise has done everything it possibly can to show everyone that they've thrown their full support behind Jared Goff. And I don't think that's an act. I don't think it's ever been an act. And after yep. he had the season that he did, they're, they're, they are thinking about him as long. They, like you said, there's no reason for them to financially lock themselves to Jared Goff for the future. But they, but if the, he has half the season he had in the in the second half of this season, it's happening next offseason. They're going to give him an extension. And and you're right, like that doesn't put quarterback off the table for the rest of the draft. They do need to to get a developmental guy, ideally, or at least someone to play backup. There's there's no one under contract right now. Um, so right. They, they need backup guys, but I, I, I just, I don't think it's on the table. I, I really don't. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be, I'd be shocked at this point if the Lions took a quarterback in the first round. I, I totally get that. And, and I don't want to give the impression that I think they're going to take a quarterback at 18. I don't either. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, th- I think the way that they're designed, the way that they talk, the thing, the the actions that they take all point towards them being invested in Jared Goff. And if they were going to make a change, I think those changes would, would come next season uh, or next off season. Right. Um, I don't think they're going to feel the need. Uh, The trick is, is that Richardson is, is just a dynamic player, right? He's just, he is the modern day. He has so many skills that translate to the modern day NFL. And, and so he's, th- there's so much appeal to that. And I think that's why he's in that conversation because if you look at his play, he's very sporadic. Um, there's inconsistencies in decision-making inconsistencies in accuracy, but He's 6'4", 235. He's very difficult to take down. He runs like the wind. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's comfortable in the pocket. He can he can he can do all the things that Josh Allen can do, um, except he lacks 
things, right? Even more so than Josh Allen. Because remember, Josh Allen was not Josh Allen, right? right. At Wyoming, Josh Allen had a ton of accuracy issues. So if you think Richardson is going to develop in the same way that Josh Allen did, and you have three years to, to wait like they did with Josh Allen, essentially, then I understand the appeal because Richardson could be a top five he could develop into a top five guy in the NFL. That's his ceiling. Sure. He could also bust out after one year because he's so he's just he's just so in it. Like how many examples consistency of the like how many examples of the people of quarterbacks that people just fall in love with traits and they never develop. Sure. And I know a lot of sure. these guys that I'm about to name are still young in their careers, but it, it goes to show you that it takes a lot of time and a lot of work to develop these guys. But like. Justin Fields is a guy who has a ton of things and, and hasn't doesn't have a lot to show for it in two years. Malik Willis is a guy that a lot of people fell in love with their traits and he fell all the way into the fourth or fifth round or whatever it was. And he looked horrible this year. Um, Trey Lance, what's going on in San Francisco? I know there's been injuries, but there hasn't been a lot of optimism surrounding Trey Lance either. It, it's an enormous risk. And it's yeah. one that the Lions just absolutely don't have to take. Right. And you have a golden opportunity when you have a side of the ball that stinks. The 32nd ranked by yardage, 26th or 27th or 28th by, you know, DVOA. And 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 sure, a defensive player can bust out just as easily. I understand that. Yeah. But, uh, but drafting a quarterback and swinging and missing affects so much more. It affects Jared Goff. It affects Ben Johnson. It affects, it, it, it's just a trickle-down effect where it's like if you miss on a corner, you miss on a safety, okay, let's go get another one. It's not that big of a deal. It affects Brad Holmes, right? If you miss swing and miss on a quarterback in the first round, you might be saying goodbye to Brad Holmes in a couple of years, which you don't want to do because he's pretty darn good at everything else. Mm -hmm. So I I just, I don't, it's, it's an enormous gamble, especially on a guy like, like Richardson, who, who, like you said, his, his ceiling is extremely high. His floor is extremely low. I don't get it. Just don't, you're not in a position where you have to take a risk like that. I get it. I, I I get it. I totally do. But there, there's still though, there's still that glimmer of like, well, maybe we have the right situation. Every, everyone wants to go from it. Alex you know Smith I mean? to Patrick Mahomes. No, I, I okay, but look, I mean, look, I I showed you the rabbit hole I went down uh, like a week ago when um with the quarterbacks and drafted in the first round, right? Like, I don't want to like bore people with with all the details on that, but right. like, if you look at the quarterbacks taken in the in the first round over the last decade. Okay, last 10 years. 14 of them are starters in the NFL. Um 18 or um no, 16 of them are either backups or out of the NFL in, in entirely, right? So right there, if you take a quarterback in the in the first round, you got about a 50%, a little less than 50% you know, success rate of having that quarterback be a starter. But what you notice is that of those quarterbacks taken in like 2013, 14, 15, none of those guys are starters anymore. So like it just because you take one doesn't mean they're necessarily going to be starters for the long term. And then if you start talking about taking guys in the top six, well, then the numbers shrink even more, right? Because only – of those 14 starters, only seven of them were taken in, in in the top six, right? So if you're looking at like the totality of the quarterbacks taken in the first round over the last decade, and you're talking about using like a top 
pick on them, you really only have like a 25% chance of like getting a guy that's going to be your long-term starter. And it, and, and again, we're just focusing on that, on that first round, but the odds of the, of that quarterback lasting compared to all the other positions are just so low um, that it does, it does create a, a totally different, animal at that position like it's a it's a totally different way of looking at it because you know we we just spent time in uh in between uh our 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 segments here with talking with the twitch audience about running back value right and we talk about how like when you're looking at that position you have to put a different set of parameters on it well you have to do the same thing with the quarterback you have to put these parameters on it and i get the risk but when you only have a 25% chance like of really like finding that long-term guy and there's four quarterbacks in this class and that means one of them's probably going to make it and the other three aren't how confident are you that that the guy that makes it is going to be the guy that falls to you at 18 you know what i mean like it's it's a big gamble so i i, I know like people i know people are are are, are going to hear you say it's a, it's a risk and they're going to be like Everything's risk, right? Yeah. You know, and it is, but it's it's a much statistical statistically, it's a much bigger risk at the position, and so you have to have the right situation, the right circumstances, and all these things in place, um, and you have to be confident in in your analysis in, in your analysis of that player that that player is not going to be one of the seventy five percent. He'll be one of the twenty five percent. Uh, I'm, I'm going to bring up a, a counter point of view, um, from our good friend and Cordy Aaron, who is definitely in the, uh, in the draft of quarterback tank, um, says, is there really any strategic difference between drafting JMO in 2022 and drafting a quarterback in 2023? In both instances, you are taking a player with the knowledge that they will not be a contributor in the rookie season and that they will be replacing someone good. Uh, and he uses JMO replaces Chark and, and whoever the Lions draft would replace Goff. What is there a key difference there that 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 he's missing? I mean, I get the I get the analogy, yeah. right? Um, because I think that speaks to Brad Holmes's willingness to build for the future. Sure, but I don't think it's necessarily an apples to apples comparison, right. right? Because of the position, because of the things that we just kind of talked about, is that you have to look at quarterback separate from all the other positions that are out there. And and each one is going to have its own little value rate. Um, but quarterback is the one, it just, it, it stands apart. So why the, why the ideology matches, I don't think you can necessarily as, you know, right. compare them equally in that manner. But I, I get what, I totally get what he's saying. Right. And no, I, I think, I think the strategy of drafting for the future puts quarterback on the table. But the, the problem here is that you didn't have a ton of confidence in shark going into this season. You, you were, it, it was very, I mean, if you did, you would have given him a bigger contract Instead, you're just like one year deal. Let's see. Let's see if you can make it happen. Shark words with Goff, They feel pretty darn com- confident about Jared Goff and Jared Goff is, is 27 or 28 or whatever he is. He's, he's still under contract for two more years and probably, and, and you're kind of getting a bargain for him. And so, I think you you feel a lot more set at quarterback than you probably did at wide receiver uh, last year compared to last year. So that's why I just I don't feel like it's it's necessarily the same. But um, 
I think we should move on from quarterback because we are going to get exhausted if we we talk about quarterbacks every week, which we probably will. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about right guard here. Uh, Lions oh. fan Oaxaca asks, what do you think about releasing Vitae and signing Evan Brown, essentially making him the starting right guard while also then drafting a guard? Uh, you know, I it's a, it's a viable strategy if you have confidence that Evan Brown can be what you want him to be. Because I think what we talked about last week was even though Brown has been a starter for two years, I don't we don't think that the Lions necessarily want him to be a starter. Like, right? Yeah. They kind of view him as a backup. The money they gave him says they view him as a backup, right? right? And so uh, there's some parts of his game that, you know, don't translate to the scheme that they run. And so he's limited in that, in, in that, you know, aspect. So signing him, re-signing him with the intent of him being the starter, I think there's some inherent risk to that because yeah. uh, it, it does, it limits them. Uh, at the same time, if you're going to draft a guard, it does soften that blow a little bit because you have a competition now and it, it makes it a little easier. Um, so I don't disagree with the strategy. I think if you do re-sign Evan Brown, cut Vitae, I think you absolutely have to draft a guard, right? I think you've, you've kind of pushed yourself into that. Um, they really like Vitae though. And if they're not up against it money-wise, I would be surprised if, if, if they moved on from him, you know, if, if, as long as his health checks out right, that's, and as yeah. long as they can afford it. Uh, they they like what he brings, and and he is a massive mentor to that young twenty two year old to his right. <laughs> he sure is, yeah. And that that that's a really good point. And, and and obviously, yeah, the back injury is is something that you have to monitor. You have to understand if that's something that's going to get better, or if you're going to have a Levi Honzarike situation where it's just going to linger for a while, and and you might be calling it calling it a, a career on on someone like Vitae at at his age. But yeah, he's he's a he's an underrated player still by this, this lines fandom and, and yeah, he's going to come expensive, but um, the lines have, have a little wit, a little bit of wiggle room right now. And and they'll have even more once they, they let some other guys go. Um, the, the thing that they don't want to do is get themselves into a situation where they have to take a guard in the draft. I, I think, I think we all think they probably should, but mm-hmm. yeah, like you have to either bring back Evan Brown or keep Vitae for sure. Like one of those guys has to be back because the, <laughs> The uh, who I mean, who is your your next man up along the offensive line right now? Who would even step up? Well, you don't know where Kramer is, right? Right. And but, so uh, it's Logan Stenberg, who's the next guy that's under contract still. Yeah. So now you're counting on Logan to be in competition to start. Right. And you, you just I, can't I don't have that. I well, not after what you know they gave him chances, right? Right. And they gave him chances last season, and it didn't work out. So maybe they'll give him a chance again, um, but. I think the way that with the amount that they have invested in this line, I don't think they would be, I don't think they're going to be, you know, too quick to start just shedding guys. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to want to try and maintain as much as they can. I think Evan Brown is much like that, that sixth offensive, that, that third offensive tackle where he's, he's a very valuable piece to plug in basically anywhere. But yeah. at the same time, I don't think you want him starting. I, I mean, he wasn't good as a right guard this year. Like, I, it, it, It's nice to have him around where he can slip in wherever you need him and, and be average or just below average. But you just mm-hmm. I don't I don't think you want to be in a position where Evan 
Brown is, is going to start. And, and then if you look at it from that point of view and you look at it from Evan's point of view, and he's like, well, I played good enough at center last year. I think I might be able to find a signing, a starting center job somewhere. There's enough good tape of me at center. I'm going to go and find a, a starting job and starting pay. Why would he stay here then? I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, predict what's in Evan. I guess I am trying to predict what's Evan Brown. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's how he's looking at the situation, but if I was him, that's how I'd look at it. Yeah. Looking at this class, just for those who are, who are in the, let's just draft the center or draft the right garden. It'll be fine. I have nine kind of guys that I've kind of like earmarked as guys that I need to look at deeper. Uh, one of them is probably like a top 40 pick Mm -hmm. and the other ones all have question marks next to them that say, are they in the top 100? Like maybe they end up being, but they might not. And and so there's like eight other guys. If you're talking about drafting a guy in the third round, there's like eight guys that might be available, but that number is probably going to be about half that. Right. So now you're talking about like five guys total, maybe one of them's probably not going to be at the spot that you want. And so now you're starting to narrow that gap of guys that could come in and be like guys that you can draft and then start. Um, It's not a, a super great class. There's talent. I mean, don't get me wrong. And maybe there's more than I'm projecting right now, but it's not going to be as easy of a maneuver this year as I guess what I'm getting at. All right. Uh, I think we're going to close things out with this question that we've been talking a lot about positional value this entire podcast. So this is a good one to to close out on from Jeremy Avery at AveryJair77 on Twitter. Asks, after two years, what would be your guess as to the Lions' positional value pyramid? And so I guess I guess we can just maybe run from top to bottom what we think the most important positions are for this regime to to ones that they, they value the least. I think you start... You want to go back and forth on this, or do you well, want yeah, to like, well, we disagree? Just or... Yeah. So, okay. I mean, court, let's put quarterback aside. Quarterback is sure, like okay. I think right off the bat, you're looking at what they drafted, right? Yeah. They, it's it's offensive tackle and defensive end trenches, right? Yeah, hundred. Boom. Those are your top two. That's what they value. That's why they went after those guys. Yeah. Like it helps that there was good talent at the spots that they needed, but. Those are those are your pillars. Those two guys are your pillars of this franchise right now. Yep. And they're going to build around those guys. And and so yes, the 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 trenches, especially the edges, that's stop one and two outside of quarterback. Mm-hmm. Right. So sure. that's your first two. Um after that, I would say receiver maybe I, I was gonna say wide receiver i mean they they invested a, a crap ton of it i i think yeah. i think they learned from year one like oh we we can't just like yeah. do half measures at the wide receiver position so i mean they they did wait on amonra which was a risk but they ended up mm-hmm. getting it and then obviously they go out and get jmo uh it's interesting because i think i don't remember when dan campbell said this and i think it was dan it may have been brad he said like he said building from from the perimeter, I, like perimeter in at, at one was point. Spielman. It was, was Spielman. Oh, it was Spielman. You're right. Um, and maybe that was just with where they were at at the time. You know, they, they had mm-hmm. a, a solid offensive line. They didn't have the, the wide receiver talent. But um, that's important to them, too, which is yeah. I, I love to hear that because, again, one of my first concerns with Dan Campbell was like, it's a little too run heavy. He doesn't understand like this is a passing league now. No, they they understand. They get it. 
Um, Ben Johnson certainly gets it. Um, So, yeah, I would say wide receiver is probably next on the list. Number four, safety. They put a ton of stuff on their safeties uh, defensively. Defensively, the safeties have to be able to make the reads, make the adjustments. They put a they put a lot on their safeties, and they ask them to do a lot too. So, and you have and that's why they doubled up on Tracy and, and invested in him. That's why they went and got Kirby because of his his ability. It's it's in my mind. I think that's probably four. Interesting. I. I think you're probably right. Um, it's certainly based on their actions. Mm-hmm. To me, I I would kind of hope corner is is higher on their list, but it hasn't been. They they they've really they've really done a lot of half measures at corner. I I, I think that changes this off season. I hope that changes yeah. off season because mm-hmm. I think in general corner is a much more valuable position. And I I mean I think NFL teams would agree just based look looking on salaries alone. But but yeah, I think I think schematically what that makes sense like. Safety is, is definitely very important to to what Aaron Glenn is trying to do on defense. The, and I kind of glossed over this because we said trenches right off the bat. Yeah. But I, I might argue that center is is maybe higher up on the list sure. than what we're giving it credit for here. Because um, that center is just – that's such an important position, which is why we're talking about Evan Brown, right? right. Like, right. That's, why, that's why he's part of this conversation all the time. Um so yeah, so center, uh, that's probably your top five, right? Tackle, edge, center, wide receiver, safety. Though in my mind, that's that's your top sure. five. Um, I do think corner is going to be a a big priority. Um, I in my mind, they kind of treated corner like they treated receiver, where they're like, let's just throw a whole bunch of guys at it and see if we can fix it. Yeah. And now I think they're going to be like, Didn't okay, work. we got to we <laughs> got to go down and we got we got to invest because I do think, yeah, this year's wide receiver is corner. Um, so maybe corners next. Maybe corner is is that next yeah. in, in, in the tier. Um, but I do think defensive tackle and guard are both going to be right there. Yeah. Right probably underneath corner. I mean, how, um, how, how many times this year did we, did we hear Dan Campbell just gush about Aline McNeil and Isaiah bugs and how important yeah. they were to everything they do on defense. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the guards in the, in this scheme, you need athletic guards and yep. that's why Jonah yep. is, is as dynamic as he is. Once you get past that though, you only got a handful left. Yeah, I'd say running back, linebackers, running back, tight ends. Yeah. I'd say running, running back. backs probably next. Then linebacker? I, I think and, I might put linebacker next and then tight end. And last. then tight end. I mean, yeah. As crazy as it is with a former tight end for a head coach. <laughs> right. He he looks at this. He looks at the tight end position as one that they can hit collectively. Right. Yeah. And they've done it. And so Yeah, yeah no, I, uh, I think that's I think that's right. And it's not just about trading TJ Hawkinson and letting a bunch of, you know, second year UDFAs play the position, but it's what they do is so specialized, I guess, that you, I mean, they, they don't really use their, they don't plan on using their tight ends as receivers anymore. It, it seems like they don't, and, and they, and they like using their wide receivers as blockers. So in a lot of ways, like a wide receiver can do everything that they want a tight end to do anyways. And they love bringing in a, a sixth offensive lineman anyways, too. So it's just like, right. it's not that valuable of a position to them, which if you look at things that way, then suddenly the TJ Hawkinson trade makes a lot more sense, right? So they don't want to pay that guy $9 because it's just not that important to them. They don't want to right. give him an extension that's going to pay him 
11, 12 million a year because it's just not that important to them. Mm-hmm. There you have it. You know, we, we didn't really talk about special teams because I know I, I didn't want to upset you, but Hunter, <laughs> wonder where Punter would fall. Because we know kicker's low. We know long snapper's low. I wonder if they value punter more than they value tight end. I would say God, yes. I hope not. I hope not honestly. Maybe. I mean, like, maybe. I would value man, kicker more than punter and tight end. The punter is is the punter is is one of the most underrated positions. And to have a field, be able to flip the field it like that. Like, keep in mind, Jack Fox is flipping fields. He's he's throwing fourth down conversions. He's, hold, <laughs> he's holding. He's holding. He's holding snaps. Stop he's it. kicking off. Stop right. It. You, I mean, you, you are doing this to troll me. I don't believe you. <laughs> and I think that means it's time to go. Once we start talking about punters, it is time to go. Thank you all for listening uh, to the midweek mailbag. Again, if you ever want to join us live, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. Usually we have moved to Wednesdays now in the off season. We do record them around 1230 PM Eastern right in the afternoon. So during your lunch break, uh, you go download the Twitch app and, and follow us there so that you can watch us uh, while you're sitting in your car, eating your lunch. Or am I the only one that does that? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back next week. Until then, it's chaos. Be kind.